the express. What's up, everybody? It's Mason here with the Express. Today on our episode, we're going to have Kenyon Drake on the show. Um, he's best known for his kick return against um, against Clemson in the 2015-2016 season. Uh, he was drafted 73rd overall to the Miami Dolphins, where he stayed there for three years. Uh, he's recently traded to Arizona. He's a two-time national champion. Um, he's most famously known in the NFL, probably for the um, Miami Miracle, where he finished off the lateral play on the last play of the game to beat the Patriots. Uh, today we're kind of just going to discuss a lot of issue, or a lot of different topics and issues that are going on not only in America, but some things he's involved in now, some things he's went through uh, growing up and his journey at Alabama and to the NFL and the mindset and everything that goes into that and kind of what makes him the great person that he is today. All right. So today is uh, June fourth. Back here we got Kenyon Drake on the show today uh, for the Express um, coming to you live. Um, we're going to talk a lot about a lot of different stuff today, but um, first I just kind of want to start off by saying thank you for coming to the show. Uh, Thanks for having definitely me. Definitely a big moment for us. Um, first just, guest. First guest, yes, which is huge. I uh, just want to kind of have you elaborate on, you know, your journey to where you are now and kind of what got you there and just tell the people some stuff about you. Nah, for sure. Um, born and raised in Georgia, born specifically in Carrollton, Georgia. My mom... Uh, had me going across the stage at West Georgia, University of West Georgia. So, well, not actually literally had me going across the stage, but I was in her stomach. And, uh, you know, I was, uh, she always jokes with me because she tells me I graduated from college uh, two times. So, <laughs> uh, born in Carrollton, raised in Atlanta, uh, you know, kicked it with all you guys over in Cobb when I moved up up there, uh, I guess, after my sixth grade year. So, all through elementary school, I was in the city of Atlanta. Went to Gideon's Elementary School, which is in a Pittsburgh community on the west side of Atlanta. Um, moved up to uh, Cobb County, sixth grade academy, Marietta, sixth grade academy. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Seventh uh, grade, I was there at Marietta Middle, and then halfway during then, uh, halfway through that semester or that year, um, I ended up going to uh, Loving Good. So that's yes, when I was over on you know Powder Springs area, and uh, you know that was actually a result of the the projects the housing authorities that I, we lived in over was it b-town or was it yeah it was b-town yes, they uh were completely demolished you know they got everybody from out from over there and if you actually go to that area now it's, it's crazy, completely bro. different like completely different thousand dollar townhomes yeah, yeah. nice i mean so even nice. everywhere even like where i was growing up you know off stylesboro i mean you just see all the communities and neighborhoods going up like all the time it's crazy it's getting mm-hmm. law it's getting I mean, the property value is going up higher and higher. Yeah. Yeah, especially in, in Atlanta. Uh, a lot of people are trying to move here. Uh, I mean, you know, we got guys like Dansby Swanson bringing, you know, the, the people in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, did you um, did you have a preference for where you went to school? Um, I, I grew up a Georgia fan. No, I'm talking about high school. Oh, you're talking about high school? Yeah. High school. Uh, did I have a preference? No, I didn't. I didn't have a preference at all. Uh, I mean, I was... Up for the challenge of being wherever. Really, I just wanted to kind of go out there and just play ball. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I play baseball. You know, play with mm-hmm. a couple of the, uh, homies over here. Played against you. Um, I mean, playing football as well. Ran track in high school. Didn't really run track actually until um, I was persuaded to run track. And I actually think I feel like that was uh, something that helped my career because before then. I was fast, but it's levels to speed, and I learned that in track, like, real fast. I actually ran against Tyreek Hill my 
my senior year, his junior year at, at uh in state. Moving. And it was a difference. You know yeah. what I mean? He's it's, 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 it's yeah, different it's definitely gear. a difference. So uh no, I didn't have a diff or a preference with what school I wanted to go to. I I really liked Marietta though when I was there. So when we moved, I was a little disappointed, but you know, I feel like everything happens how I was supposed to, you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. I feel that's I mean that's kinda how I was because I wanted to I was supposed to go to Kennesaw Mountain, mm. but uh, I wanted to be able to play two sports, so uh, they weren't really down with it. Really? <laughs> yeah, they just like the the demands of trying to do uh, baseball and basketball at the same time was was too high. So in Marietta, they were like, "Hey, bring it on! Like right. whatever boy, you want, boy, you can do whatever like you want." Half a hammy when he came uh, to know, baseball I know, season. Though. I know. I know. When did, did when did you quit playing baseball, Kenyon? That was after my sophomore year. So the year that y'all went to the championship, or they went to the yeah. championship. Yeah, I was just like, and it was kind of weird too because, I mean, I was freshman year JV, sophomore year JV. So I mean, obviously, my junior year you're gonna play varsity. You're not gonna right. play, you know, JV as a junior. I would hope I, you know, <laughs> a little bit more, a little more skilled to not play JV. But I don't know. I just kind of lost the, not even necessarily the love just for like the game. Your focus. Yeah, it was just I don't know. I was just I was out there and I felt like I was going through the motions. I never wanted to kind of go through the motions with anything in my life. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. So when it got to that point, I felt like it was time to kind of you know switch sure. gears. You know what I mean? And uh, we had a uh, you know remember Coach Sweet? I think what was her name before she got married? The uh, Bo- Miss Debussy. That was her name. Yeah, I think it was Debussy. Dang, I just well. Hey, she just contacted me. Hey, Jamie, me. can you fact check that? <laughs> she, she just, uh, we're, I'm in the process of getting her a golden retriever. She actually hit me up where we got our puppies. Neither here nor there. Anyways, what'd she tell you? No, she was just talking about how, um, you know, she felt like, you know, with the ability I had in football, running track, because, you know, she was obviously a uh, part of the women's uh, track program mm-hmm. at the time. She was just talking about how she felt like it could, you know, elevate my game, elevate my speed, you know, just create something that, not necessarily I was lacking just playing baseball, but really worked toward, you know, what would help me playing football. Right. Mm-hmm. And I listened to her, and I actually had a pretty successful junior year running track, and I had a lot of fun. I met a lot of new people, um, you know, started watching track more because I really wasn't really interested in it because I didn't honestly play running back even though I, you know, li- you know was fast. I did not like to run at all, and track yeah. practice was brutal. Sheesh. Yeah. Track practice is not say, fun. All it is is running. Yeah. Running the main Literally. hundreds. But yeah. hey, when you get that form right, I'm telling you that you start hitting different. No, for you sure. Start hitting different. For sure. And it's that's probably my problem, bro. That's why I didn't make it. <laughs> yeah, retweet. Yeah. Fact yeah. check that one. Yeah. <laughs> no, but it was I, I mean, I loved I loved the family that I created everywhere I went. You know what I mean? From, you know, the the kids and people that I knew growing up at in Atlanta, um, going to you know elementary school, I went to my my grandma was actually the um, secretary there, um, which is kind of crazy because now that I think about it, I was way out of district. Like I was supposed to go to Peyton Forest, like it's like right off of MLK. That's where I grew up at. But she went to you know she was a uh, you know administrator at Gideon, so I was able to go way over there, which is like a twenty minute drive. She probably like, did school of choice. Yeah, mm-hmm. probably. So I mean, I I appreciate it because it was a great you know learning institution, and I was able to kind of push on from there. And uh, actually, do y'all ever heard heard a thing called the challenge program? Probably because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. y'all never was like in the city of the Atlanta. City, no. So it's like where every Wednesday they'll have like gifted kids. Um, go to like a, a different school to like have like accelerated learning so just kind of like um, how um 
what is it in, in, in Cobb? Because they have it like they have like Magnet yeah. Target yeah. and yeah. IB, the International uh-huh. Baccalaureate Program. Yeah, they actually had yeah. the y'all have the programs at the school. Like it was a separate. Yeah, you had to go to a different school. So it was something that I kind of relished, like when I was going to school in Atlanta. Well, you were a high GPA guy in high school, right? Uh, I, I think probably I I kept a 3.0, but I mean you know when you get to high school and then I don't know I just was all over the place. Yeah, you know what I mean? I feel that. Understood. I was um, I was the smart cookie. In high yeah, school. I was too. But I felt we had Coach Morris together. I mean, mm-hmm. that was a class. Me and Kenya were hanging out, bro. Y'all were studying. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> well, you know my parents ran a tight ship. Yeah, yeah. 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 Your boy I was, I your boy was doing mess the with them. Yeah, I wasn't even trying to mess yeah. with them. It was just like, it was times where I I don't know. I didn't, I never was a fan of busy work. So mm-hmm. if, Me if, if it was just like I well, was sitting I around and I'm just like, doing homework just to do it like my dad would look at me and be like why like why are your test grades uh 85 average and why are your homework grades a a, a 30 Incomplete. like it's your like dad. right like a zero like just bring not, your grade down yeah. i'm gonna say this about your dad let's get this out here your dad changed my life how's that when we was how old 12 13 12 when we went to Cooperstown? Ball, yeah. Okay, well, okay, so when we were 12, mm-hmm. right, you know, your dad used to work at the concession stand with my dad. Mm-hmm. Your dad taught my dad how to make wings. That's where, uh, that's where it comes from. And that's like been a request Shout from him out. for a long oh, time. Boy, I time. never knew that. Oh, bro, so we've been. Me and Mason used to be. Yeah, uh, you know we've been crushing. saucing <laughs> from the get. I never knew that. Changed my life. That's yeah. hilarious. Let me pull up. It, uh, Come I f- on. I feel like. But the thing is, my dad hardly makes the rings at the house. Like, my stepmom is always know. making the wings. I don't know. So maybe credit to her. Right. Maybe it's a ripple effect <laughs> right, type exactly. thing. I don't care. Either way, to. I'm grateful. Yeah. Um, I didn't make sure you the, to. Uh, stature to block for my man. Yeah, well, that a lot of <laughs> things gave me that stature. But um, <laughs> but no, he, uh, he I, I don't know what it was, but he like literally taught my dad. I think we were doing like, a tournament or something mm-hmm. and taught my dad. And my dad's been using that same recipe were Six we out of Perry Palm then? Yeah. Yeah. That was Shout man. out Perry Palm. Throwback. Throwback. Yeah. You been, well, you Just probably haven't like, been there recently. Like, I, haven't, I haven't drove over there in a minute. It's the same. For real. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's the same. same. Nothing been done yeah, to it. It's the same. We, I, think, I feel like we brought a little bit more awareness to it then, especially so, like, because I don't think, is there any other travel team that came out of that? Not that I know of. Right. Not no. any. Uh, it, the the whole team. landscape of, of baseball no, has changed in, in Georgia anyways. Uh, yeah. Like, I mean, that's how it is all over, though, too, how, how much it's changed. Like, right. The landscape oh, it's crazy. Which we talked a little bit about last week, but. Yeah. I mean, and now my, my little brother is playing for the Astros, the East Cobb Astros. I, I heard. A lot better than what I was. Yeah, he's we can, nice. We can put that I out heard. there, yeah. How old is he? He is 13, so he'll be actually be 14 in July. Yeah, so yeah. Yeah, I remember you. When did you come to Hillgrove last? Like a year ago, two years ago? I think it was a year ago, like last spring. You're telling, you showed me videos of him hitting. Mm-hmm. Nice, smooth. Yeah, he just we used to practice in the uh, in the garage, and you know, he was hitting little wiffle ball bats. He would come down there in his diaper. He actually had a little long, little yeah. afro back then, and he would just always stand left. And my dad would try to put the ball, you know, put the bat in his right hand, and he just always what put it back it? in his left hand. Still hitting left handed. Lefty, yep. yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he throws right though, which is the crazy part. No, that's that's how you kind of want to be though. About to say. Mm-hmm. You can yeah. play every position and have the luxury of hitting left-handed. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, all right, so move. So you obviously had a great high school career. We we made him talk about it a little bit too. It was you, Bradley, Chubb, Chubb and mm-hmm. Evan Ingram all in the same high school but, team. And I well, I was thinking about this too. Like a lot of people were like, "How did y'all not win a championship with that team?" They weren't like we were not all together 
on the same team. Like yeah, Evan was, but Evan was young. Yeah, Evan was yeah. young. And he didn't really like He wasn't Evan at the time. He didn't explode yeah. until no, later. No, no, no. Yeah, he didn't get into that body until like junior senior year. Yeah, junior senior year. And my senior year obviously was he was his, a sophomore. Yeah. Nah, I think he was only a year nah, behind a year me. Behind. He's a year behind. Is he? Yeah, so his junior year is when he started really getting like yeah, I mean, his senior is when he really started to kind of get. Well, he like, moved the ball to wide out his senior year. Mm-hmm. Especially with that spread, because yeah, he was mostly tight in yeah. like the whole time I was. I there. guess yeah, because Elijah was a sophomore. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. So he was young, but he wasn't. And then Chubb, when you're talking, yeah, Chubb he was, was for sure two years. He was baby Chubb. Yeah, yeah. he was a scout yeah. team guy for us. Uh-huh. I think he might have been six one like, because one ninety maybe nice. right. soaking wet. Because we need to we, get him on here because my man's is huge. Dude, I saw bro, I saw him out in Denver. Yeah, like, you know he's playing for the Broncos. Yeah, like you are a big man. Because I would see, not want I would not want to get chased. Well, down what's funny you. is Brandon, his older brother, used to bully us at football, like because we were younger when he was an old guy. Mm-hmm. So then little baby Chubb came along, and we're like, oh hell yeah, yeah. Because hey we back. used to get our ass kicked <laughs> yeah. by Brandon all the time. Yeah, and I'm I know Brandon. What Brandon's probably. Six feet even, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden, Bradley just what six yeah. five. His dad, yeah. their dad's super big. Yeah, though, right? her dad's big. Yeah, yeah. Boy, so I give a lot to be six even, bro. What you mean? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so then you obviously you chose to go to Alabama, play running back at Alabama. Uh, was it a tough decision or pretty easy? No, nah, it was easy. It was it was easy because, well, I mean, for various simplistic stance I'm I don't like losing at all and uh I felt like going there was gonna push me to be the best person I felt like I could be like on and off the field mm-hmm. um you know my freshman year I got there it was me and TJ Yeldon um you know obviously he had the season he had his you know freshman year mm-hmm. um and then uh, my sophomore year they you know was like all right you know we're Alabama we're gonna go and sign four top ten backs and I was like, you know, I wanted a challenge, but you know, yeah, this is this is this challenge. is overkill. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. So, but uh, I felt like everything, like I stated before, happens exactly how it's supposed to. Um, yeah, I was going to ask how you cope with that. You know, uh, I mean, I don't know. I I'm the type of person I am. I I like I like the camaraderie that we built mm-hmm. first and foremost, and I understood that you know playing not only you know running back but on offense there's only one ball to go around you know what I mean Mm -hmm. on defense you can kind of have your you can have the you know the be a cornerback and be like well I'm you know I'm shutting down this you know this side of the field or Mm -hmm. a safety knowing you you know you got to make this type of call to put everybody in position linebacker you know flying around D linemen have their whole little thing but on offense it's like literally one ball you know you can't really do you can't really do much of all 11 people aren't playing as one. You know, that was, that's what makes it a team game. But, you know, eventually you go there to be a playmaker, especially a high-rated player as such everybody was. Everybody wants to touch the ball and be successful in any, you know, capacity. So, you know, it, it weighed on me a lot to be like, you got all these this great talent here. But it also pushed me to, you know, be who I felt like I could, you know, potentially be. Yeah, so who – so – it was you and TJ yelled in the same class. Mm-hmm. And then who was above y'all? Uh, so we had already uh, Jocelyn Fowler. Mm-hmm. So he's like running back full, but he ended up being a fullback in the league. Mm-hmm. D Hart, who's a, who used to be a five-star out of Orlando. Um, Eddie Lacy, who was a starting back then. Um, I think those are three guys that are above me. 
Um, and then we had some other guys that were older than us, but they they really like ramped it up those next few years. I was gonna say, my question is like, did your mindset change from freshman year to sophomore year when all these cats started rolling in, like, or you kind of kept the same energy or like? So, my sophomore year, I I played a lot more obviously than my freshman year, um, but it was just kind of like fire, like under my ass, just to kind of really understand like anybody can be replaced. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Especially at, you know, position like as running back because they already devalue our position, you know, and we probably can talk about that a little bit more later on. But it's it's amazing just kinda how irreplaceable somebody can be in, you know, that type of situation to kinda go out there and, you know, be good one play and, you know, like the injuries I had um, you know, be out for a significant amount of time and, you know, see somebody go in there and, you know, do the exact yeah. same thing or even better than what you did, you know what I mean? Right. And, you know, you try to figure out, you know, what does that mean for my future? Mm-hmm. So, and speaking of the injury, though, you, what, broke your leg? Yeah, so I broke Ole my Miss. fibula and dislocated my ankle and then broke my arm my senior year against Mississippi State. So, you know, I'm glad there's no professional teams in Mississippi. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Bad juju right there. Yeah, right. no, for real. But and and that's something too because I had you know I've had to deal with my fair share of injuries and stuff and I just remember it does take a toll on you mentally because you you know you're all of a sudden what you've always done is now taken away from you. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at the same time, it does kind of show you not necessarily your true colors, but it it can bring out the best in you if you let it. You know, and that that was one thing that I remember I did was like this is going to give me an opportunity to learn. I looked at it the adversity as an opportunity to to learn and to grow and to watch my teammates operate and see you know, how uh, such a high-class program, uh, you know, how they operate and how they run things and, and why they are so successful. And then when it was my turn, you know, going into my sophomore year, you basically take all the lessons you learned and on top of the skill and you explode. Right. Yeah, yeah and exactly. I, to, to me, watching you play um, is very frustrating because I know your entire career, uh, everybody said that you're not a like a three-down, four-down back and mm-hmm. they want to throw you in and passing down situations or whatever, but – Obviously, that's not the Kenyan that I know, and I know you've been kind of fighting, and you've been in the media saying, you know, I don't know why you all think I'm just a one-down, two-down back, like I can be a three-down back or whatever. But to me, I felt like they weren't – and this is not a knock on them. Obviously, you had dudes, so I get it. Um, But, like, you were not given a whole lot of opportunities, and to me it was kind of frustrating because, like, I see and know what you can do. So, like, Mm -hmm. you – obviously, it's got to be tough because if you know you're getting three touches, like, you want to maximize your touch and – do what you want to do. So for me, and this might be jumping ahead a little bit, but when you house the kick return in the national title, it was mm-hmm. like, oh my God, like finally, That's like you I've got your, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> because you got your moment of like, this yep. is what I can do. And this is, and not that, and the other thing, it'd be different if you were labeled as a returner, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? But you weren't, you right. were a running back who they're, they, fi- they must have figured you're the best, one of the best chances they got of housing it. So when you had that moment, to me, I was like, like this is what you deserve like you've worked so hard and bon- get, gone through your injuries and all that and then you house it and it's like such a big thing you're on sports illustrated all this you kind of blow up a little bit mm-hmm. and it's like finally like this is your if you want to speak on that moment and kind of what it meant to you or that feeling obviously the feeling had to be incredible that was an it, incredible game but it, it was it was it was crazy because be speaking on a little bit of what Dansby was saying my freshman year we had a real group good group of seniors that kind of paved the way for what it was like, not necessarily before the success that they had, but it was a building block to what we would eventually become. 
So we were kind of looking at that like, all right, this is the standard and this is what we want to continue. My junior and, or my sophomore and junior year, we didn't really hold up to that standard because we were kind of all used to winning. And, you know, we all did things that eventually caught up to us in a big game that let us down and we didn't, you know, you know, obviously in college football, you lose a game, you might be out of right. it, especially depending Correct. on what time of you, uh, year you lose. So, you know, we, you know, didn't finish the, you know, the we didn't finish a job my juniors, my sophomore year. And my senior year, we lost early against Ole Miss again. And we all looking at each other as seniors. We kind of come together as a collective unit, and we're just kind of like, look, uh, we need to, you know, reverberate that standard that the senior class set for us when we were freshmen. Mm. And we just kind of changed the whole mentality of how we approached every day in terms of, you know, school – in terms of um, practice on field to culminate to the success that we have on the field or, you know, during games. So fast forward, we get to the um, championship game, and it's a battle going back and forth with you right. know, Deshaun Watson and Clemson. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we all know the caliber player that Deshaun is. Um, we had to really pull up all the stops because not only did I make that play on the kick return, we had to do the little pooch. Uh, mm-hmm. Kick mm-hmm. on the, I remember uh, that. Start on, start the second half. Uh-huh. I don't think it was that early, but it, I think it might have been even in the fourth quarter, like somewhere where we had to kind of make a play because yeah. Jamie, time, Jamie, yes, get on back, man. There, there yes, sir. There we go. Pull some highlights. So it was, it we 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 couldn't waste the opportunity because every time Deshaun touched that ball, he was you know going Delivering. down the field. Big threat. It, yeah. Big we're, threat. Yeah. We're our our defense. You know what I mean? So um, that was a fantastic game. Yeah. That, I mean, that's that. I I'd say of our like age at that time that was that was like the reminiscent of like USC Texas like with Vince Young yeah it was, yeah. it was the same kind of story and it and for me to be a part of that like it means the world to me just because of you know what it took for me to get there but also what it took for everybody else to kind of you know bring that that moment together fact well. man what's up. Beginning, Beginning of, the of the fourth, fourth quarter. quarter. There you go. So it was like I knew it was late in the second half or in general just where you wouldn't expect it at all. And we had actually been practicing it all week. And Marlon Humphrey, every time in practice that ball was pooched, he would drop it. <laughs> <laughs> and so we called a play and right before we go out. And everybody's like, hey, Marlon, like, you want me to come out here and catch this? Because I'm going to catch it. And he's like, no, nah, no, nah, I got it, I got it. And lo and behold, Adam Griffin from – uh. From Georgia, I think where did he go in Georgia? I can't remember what high school he went to, but he pushed the uh, ball over to uh, Har- uh, Marlon. Pu- I mean, he couldn't have dropped it in a better place, so he had no choice but to catch it. And uh, you know, and then I eventually have the play I had after you know we go down, make a score, and Deshaun comes right down, stick is right down our throat. And I, I don't know when I got around that kicker because if he took a hell would, of an angle, if anybody remembers, I got tackled because I was supposed to almost score on another one i got tackled by the kicker so that next time i got around him i was you know it was no way in hell he's gonna yeah, tackle me you know, yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? so um and then uh freaking um what's his name i can't remember his name number 15 uh he ended up like running like a four three at the combine and he I was just, hauling ass he was, coming yeah, he was he was hawking he was, you. He was hauling <laughs> and i was running out of gas and i got about to the five and i was like i felt like I probably could have ran it through, but I wouldn't have been able to live myself if I didn't give it like 110 effort. Right. So right. I just dove. Uh-huh. 
and you know, luckily the ball didn't slip out of my hand. Yeah. That, that was my was, first thought when I watched it. That's luckily, what I was concerned about. Yeah, lucky it didn't slip out of my hand. I looked to the ref, and he gave me the touchdown sign as I was throwing my hands up too, and I just laid back yeah. in just relief because it yeah. was just that one moment was a culmination of everything that I felt like I had, had been, been building up. Mm-hmm. Now that I man, I remember yo and the the little pooch kick. I think that's the only time I've ever seen Nick Saban smile during a game. Oh, bro. Yeah. <laughs> was, wasn't that like the little slide smile? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. His like, 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 and then he claps, Man, you know. And like, yeah. it's it's that's how like crazy and how just with all type of situations he is because we literally practice that you know for however long we had to practice in um. Uh, a month or whatever. I mean. Yeah, like because we, you know, we play like that game, the Cotton Bowl. We play that. That takes like a month to practice. But then be- between the championship think, and what, that it's game, like, it's like ten it's like days a, or something. Right. So something like, that. like that, ten days. When we were in Miami, we practiced that kick like every practice. Right. Just I don't know. Like he just had a hunch that we were going to need that. It's one of those things. That's, I think that's what makes him great. Yeah, I, I think. Well, I was gonna say I think the best coaches they cover the situations that are the least likely to happen, mm-hmm. and then like something uh, at a team that I used to be at. At every Thursday walkthrough, what we would do is we'd have it to where a uh, situation as if they're pinned in the in the five and you have a timeout left and they punt it and mm-hmm. you fair catch it and you take a timeout mm-hmm. and you can bring the field goal team on and kick a three-point, like give yeah, a three-point yeah. try. Yeah, yeah, free kick. Free kick. Mm-hmm. Right. That's yeah, something yeah, like yeah, I was yeah. like, oh, y'all practice? And he's like, if we ever get an opportunity. And sure enough, we got an opportunity won a game off it. Really? Yeah. Because we practice that in, in the league too, and it mm-hmm. rarely happens. Rarely happens. Yeah. But then you get that opportunity, and you're like, "Shit, this is why we practice this stuff." Yeah. Why you practice situations? Or like different, like uh, field goal. Like if you block a field goal and the ball goes this way, or if you touch it, or if they miss it, and like certain stuff like that, you just don't think mm-hmm. about the good because ones happens, cover that stuff. Yeah, because and when it happens, it's always in a crucial moment. Like yes, and that's something we talk about baseball, and it's less in the professional setting because we play so many games. But in college, it's like you work on the pickoff plays or your bunt coverages and stuff, and mm-hmm. it's like, why do we need to do this? Because yeah. at the end of the day. You're going to need that right. when it comes to postseason, and right. you're going to need to take that lead out, you know, and, you know, a make a risky play. Like yeah, that. because that's the stuff that actually, like, yes, all the details and everything win you championships, but making plays when the opportunity presents themself, like, right. oh, that, and, and it's only ready. there once. Yeah, like, the free kick, that's there once. That pooch kick, mm-hmm. they, you wouldn't have been able to do it again, try exactly. it again. So, uh, yeah, and that's the biggest thing is, I think, it's, it's kind of a parallel to life too. Like you have to be ready for that opportunity. What mm. doesn't matter what it is. And you may not know what it is, right? But then when that opportunity presents itself to whether you take an interview or do something, you've got to be ready as a person to say, okay, I've been doing what I'm supposed to be doing. I've been working on myself. I've been doing this, that, and the other. And then you take it. It allows so you to you be freer. Yes. Because yeah. you are prepared. You know what I'm saying? Like, when you're prepared, when you're prepared for a game, you can just go play. Like exactly. You don't have to instincts, worry about it. athleticism, it all takes it all over. It's in, business, yeah. you know, whatever meetings. It's the same thing. But when you're not prepared, you're having to worry about. You're scrambling. Yeah. Everything. Yeah. yeah. And you're you're already behind the eight ball. You know what's funny? That's what really makes the situation where we played against Auburn, the kick six that they had against us, so agonizing probably for him, just because didn't we cover weren't, it. We weren't prepared for it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We weren't prepared for it. Other than being like, hey. They can turn, they can run they can this back this if they back. catch it. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? We right. watched that game together. I was devastated. Like, Y'all made me Alabama fans, as in Kenyon. Man, I was I'm say I know what me. Tied. Real <laughs> tied, yes sir. I know what me. Real tied. Um, it's, it's wild, man. So that's very interesting. So then, kind of, so you get drafted in the third round, mm-hmm. right? What was it fat guy? What round pick? Seventy third or seventy? It was seventy third, or I think it was seventy fourth. But to the Dolphins, down to the Miami. Dolphins, go down mm-hmm. to Miami. So and and. 
might I mean y'all were they were decent then, right? Or so the year before they were like eight to eight. Seventy three. Seventy three. I don't even know my own drum pick. So one one yourself short, bro. One. All right. All right, guy. We get it, bro. All right, guy. One one, we get it. All right, guy. Um, what I was about to say though. Um I can't I just lost my train of thought with all this greatness all around me. Y'all were eight and eight. Oh yeah, we was it was I think it was pretty mediocre. I actually I think they went six and ten, now that I remember, because that's why they brought in a new head coach. Mm. Um, okay. Which was Adam Gase. Okay. And Adam Gase took a chance on me, drafted me. He always joked with me, saying that he, you know, took me two rounds too high. Oh, and I was shit. like, you know, hey, you know, thank that kick return and you know my my yeah. awesome uh, combine stats for you. You know, feeling like you know I, I, you can you can take a chance on me. But uh, lo and behold, you know they drafted me, um, and we went to the playoffs that year. And I'm thinking, you know, coming from Alabama. Uh, you know, I like this winning thing. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, if we can go to playoffs every year, I'm, I'm not gonna complain, and I haven't seen it since then. <laughs> How? Uh, who's the quarterback? Ryan Tannehill. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that was he the had year. a little resurgence. Up How was he? He's yeah, he's cool. I, I love Tanny, man. Tanny's a great guy. Uh, you know, he has a great family. Got has a great head on the shoulders. We always talked um, in the uh, like anywhere. Like he was always asking me about my family. I'm asking about his. You know, he's good people. Yeah, he's yeah. he's just always real in tune with you know just the people around him. He's a real person. What about Jay? Uh, Jay's cool too, man. Jay's uh, that's your boy, like, right? Yeah, I feel like yeah. Jay Cutler. Oh, oh. Jay Cutler. <laughs> See, now that's a different story. I don't really have much of a relationship with Jay. Uh, I actually really appreciate the time being around him, just being around him because I I I actually grew up a, a Cutler fan, just. Seeing him in um, in Chicago, I feel like he was a he can sling that thing. He can throw the ball, yeah. bro. And if y'all look at the tape or like just the the game there, we played against the um, the Patriots on was it Monday night, Sunday night? You know, I, yeah, I think I remember watching this game. And and he just went off. He went off. It was just reminiscent of old couple. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? And. Like, it was a great thing to see. Uh, and, you know, some games, he just – you just see the gunslinger that he was. Like, you know, you how how Adam Gase wanted to be, you know, you know, dump it here, dump it there, big plays there, get it. Like, Cutler yeah. was looking for the big plays. He shot yeah. those shots. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, that, you can do that when you got an arm. Right. So that's – That I mean. Brett Favre mentality. Mm-hmm. So, what is the – and I guess both of you can speak on this. What is the biggest um, difference in your mind of – taking that step from being I could I could say this a college athlete at an elite program both mm-hmm. you were at elite programs um, respectively for your sport to that next level like well, how does your preparation change how does your mental change how does your time management change because I feel like there's got to be a change in that mm-hmm. um, you two could speak on that if you want yeah uh, and I'll add let me add like the teams that y'all got brought to yeah weren't elite no at the time. Mm-hmm. so like how do you go from a winning mindset to then like the transition to getting to get better and yeah yeah well i mean for me it's a little bit different because you know we got the minor leagues you know so you start grinding through the minor leagues playing that brutal schedule along with just the facilities and it's just way different and you're kind of like wait i left college for this (laughs) like like, yo i'm in the middle of nowhere i'm in the middle of nowhere this city pretty much has a curfew like nothing's staying open past nine like it's just it's a whole different ball game uh, but when you get to the big leagues, baseball is way different than football. Like, there is not a tight ship on us whatsoever. Like, 
the only rule is pretty much show up, show up on time. Right. And since we play every day, like we have off days and I very much appreciate it. Cause like if we have an off day, they let us go wherever, do whatever, just as long as we're in the city, we need to be for the next day. Like they don't care. Mm-hmm. And we don't practice. Like people think that's crazy. We don't practice cause we play every day. Yeah. So we have our, you know, our batting practice that we take, but we're not out there working on things. We're not out there going over bunk coverages. We're not out there uh, doing anything that most people would think that we're doing, but we are there from two to 12 every night. You know what I'm saying? So it's a different grind than what football would be because it is now a business, you know, and you're ultimately, it's it's hard to look out for both yourself, but also the best interest of the team. So it's it's definite like self-reflection, ego check on what is most valuable. Do you think that the, well, I guess, I don't know, football is just very, very detail-oriented. Well, y'all got, I mean, just from having friends and stuff like that play in the league, y'all play on Sunday. Right. And then they got a, their whole week is scheduled out almost for them of what they're supposed to be doing, where they're supposed to be, because film preparation is such a big deal for them. Exactly. And it's like, you have like the, you know, depending on what time of the day you play on Sunday or if you played on Thursday or Saturday or Sunday, mm-hmm. like your off day will always be, you know, de- depending on that. So regular Sunday, one o'clock kickoff game, you know, you'll have that rest of that day off. And then Monday you come in, you got to do the the whole um, workout and run, you know, get the lactic acid out and then watch the film. And then you're off from that point through Tuesday to Wednesday, you got to come in Wednesday morning and you start all over again. Mm-hmm. And it's just like a week within a season or a season within a week. Right. Just trying to, you know, I mean, you know, it's, it's yeah, you got to break down every week. Right. And, you know, obviously things change week to week. What you're doing changes week to week. Who exactly. you're playing against, everything. It's so. just the, I, from the amount of information that we go through at a high school level, mm-hmm. I cannot imagine the amount of information you go through. It could, it maybe it's less just because you, it's it's simple stuff like he's going to be like, he's lined up in this inside of this hash is what, is what they're going to do. Well, it's, I tell you, and I'll be completely honest and, you know, it's probably not a, a secret to, you know, coach outside or, or Riggins or anybody, but I didn't watch film in high school. You well, know no. what I mean? So it was like when I got Unless to college. Unless you were dragged in there. But right. you were probably sleeping. Yeah, most likely. <laughs> not going to, you know, cap about that. So... <laughs> causing my ass to get on the line we get to college and you know you're in film all the time and you know i it, i don't know it's just i'm not gonna say it felt like busy work but like i told y'all with my homework like it felt like you know it wasn't really something and not necessarily that i didn't have to do but when you're on the field and there's something that y'all cover and you you don't recall it because you might have not been paying attention or you might have been asleep, right. it's the most helpless feeling in the world. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Well, it also could be, too, the, the type of learner that you are. Like, we we talked about this, you know, you can watch film. Like, like right now we're having football. You are, too, having football meetings mm-hmm. over Zoom. And if you're trying to do install, forget it. Right. Like, I'm going to tell a kid, oh, this is what flash motion is. This mm-hmm. is when you will buzz. Well, if we call this set, you're inside, he's outside, like, no, the only way you can learn most of my show kids show on a whiteboard or put them out there on the get field. Get on the hash. Like if I say you were in trips left, your ass is standing right here. Right, exactly. Like there's no And that's definitely how I learn as well too. That's why I like I tell people like I I'm more I guess involved when I feel like I'm moving around and I can actually put my body physically in that right. position, yeah. you know what I mean? You got to feel it. Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah you got to feel it. Because so, I mean 
And too, I feel like their film's gonna be a little bit different because you don't have to tell somebody if they're running trips, they need to stand on the hash. Like they, well, they no, kind of know that. But no, also but. too, so I mean, because I've had to deal with talking about the film stuff. Like, if you've never been someone that's been heavily invested in the film, or like me, you know, breaking out a picture or this and that. Sometimes all it takes is someone to teach you what it is that you're actually looking for. Because right. if you're just watching it, you're right. just like you're watching, just watching a YouTube it. highlight yeah. almost mm-hmm. instead yeah. of, oh, I'm look, I'm actually studying for this. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now I know that I have my bullets of like, okay, I need to look for this. Didn't see that. Okay, I'll, I'll look for this. Right. And I was more hitting on like the detail, not necessarily urine trips here, but detail of, you know, we're running this route combination. It's set for cover two. They wrote a cover three. Your route is this. Right. That's what I was like. Your right. detail has to be. Now what our, like in the league, what we focus on, we don't even like focus on ourselves. Like we may be critiquing like the type of detail in terms of if somebody, you know, blitzes you and the type of, you know, how you block and right. you know, how you use your hands right. or what hole you may need to hit or whatever the case may be. But where you really focus on is like the opponent because that's what you're studying against. And that's what makes, you know, the elite cornerbacks who they are because they anticipate off of what they see on film. So right. if they see a tendency, if you got your, you know, your right your, foot forward, right, exactly mm-hmm. that whole nine, or if you're trying to, you know, you know, a certain situation and they, you know, they know the offensive coordinator calls these certain plays. Six plays the it's, most. Exactly. Like that film is what brings out the best and the very elite in this game. Now, obviously you get to the league, there's monsters everywhere. Cause that's correct. You're, you're in the league, right? It just is what it is. But what separates people is that knowledge about, you know, the tendencies and, you know, situations. Yeah. They're like proactive instead of reactive. Basically. Exactly. Correct. Yeah. No, I feel that same in life too. <laughs> we talk about being prepared Literally. being prepared but uh i want to ask so everybody done that you got traded to arizona this mm-hmm. past season mm-hmm. biggest like what, are, what what's been the biggest difference for you since going out there because i feel like you kind of took off a little bit once you once you got out there yeah it was just Start to give my man touches yeah it's just <laughs> i mean so rewinding it a little bit back to 17 when jay got traded and a couple of people behind me got hurt, and I was kind of just relied on. I was, you know, able to kind of go out there, have touches, and have a little bit of success. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, no knock on, you know, what Gates decided to do with bringing uh, Frank Gorian, because that really changed, I feel like, how I saw the position. Veteran role. Exactly. It was yeah. It was just, because when I was there in Miami, Jay was, you know, second year, third year. Um, we had Damian. So Jay was two years in my rookie year. Damian was three years in. Um, we had like a couple of the people that were two years. Like we had a real young group. Mm-hmm. So not necessarily saying that we didn't have anybody to, you know, tutor anybody, but there was no experience. It just was what it was. We all were learning on the fly. Um, and then you bring in, you know, old man Frank, and he just, <laughs> he just has this – he was anything but that, to be honest, because right. you don't play at a position as Texan as running back without having the knowledge on how to protect right. your body, right? how to, you know, manage, you know, going out there and getting a certain amount of carries a game and, like, how he worked out of practice and, you know, in the weight room is directly a direct correlation to why he was as successful as he was for as long as he, he was. Um, so, like, I appreciate, you know, being around Frank as much as anything because it really taught me – how to run and how to prep myself to be able to go out there and get the carries that, and touches that I want to get. Mm-hmm. And that showed up when you went out to Arizona. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And, you know, um, the first game I got out there, I was 
gassed because one they had the roof open and it was dry as all get out that's a different heat i could not not breathe but the thing was it was like october it was like right after halloween so it wasn't even that it was hot it was just that i could not breathe in that like environment it was just bad like i'm just like i'm top of my head and they're like no stay in the game i'm like bro i can't breathe out here but i had you know the success i had because of just really just playing football like i didn't have to worry about necessarily real big scheme or anything they really dumbed down the playbook in terms of allowing me to go out there and just play ball mm-hmm. right you know yeah, that's I mean? nice that's real nice mm-hmm. so from from that point on i mean you know teams started kind of you know scouting against me and certain things that i did good that first game so mm-hmm. i didn't necessarily have as much success as i had the next following weeks that i had that first game uh but you know it got to the point to where it was just like look I, I knew I was in my contract year. Um, kind of goes back to, you know, the team and versus, you know, kind of trying to have personal success. And I knew these last few games were kind of just going to be dependent on how much I wanted it. You know what I mean? And I just kind of put my head down, grind it through the week, make sure I knew every situation, knew the personnel that I had to go against. Mm-hmm. And it was like, look, man, we just going to relax and play ball and I mean, somehow I found myself in the end zone four times against Cleveland and then a couple more times against um, Seattle, had a long run, Mm -hmm. and then another time against the Rams, and here we are, you know what I mean? Pay dirt. (laughs) Pay dirt. Pay day, pay day. Well, it just goes back to, like, you set yourself up for success, and then at that point you just got to trust yourself. Exactly. Mm -hmm. It's just part of the process. The opportunity was there, and you did the most with the opportunity. Got to be ready. That uh, pre-work. Something else is very interesting about you that I don't know um, if a lot of people know about is your work in the community and your work with different organizations and giving back. Mm-hmm. Um, if you kind of want to speak on that a little bit, uh, to kind of what you do, what you're involved in, the organizations you're involved in maybe. Because mm-hmm. um, you do a lot of work in the community, which I think speaks very, very highly of your character. Because a lot of you don't have to do that. Right. Uh, lot, nobody has to do that, but you consistently do it. And you go to places, and you're you're always doing something with somebody. Mm-hmm. So if you want to speak on that, I think it's great. If you want to speak on that, I'd love to hear it. No, for sure, right? and I appreciate you. You know, uh, give me that the avenue to be able to talk about it, just because it does mean a lot a lot to me. Um, just having a platform to be able to, um, you know, help the innocents. That's what I feel like is most important in this life. Uh, we all are, you know, on this you know floating rock through space trying to find our way, you know what I mean? And um, some people may, you know, have a head start over others just from whatever case may be, you know, but it's all, you know, our job to kind of uh, help each other along the way to, you know, feel as comfortable as possible just in our own skin. And um, I work with uh, uh, Clef Lip, a nonprofit organization called Smile Train, um, that helped Clef Lip and Clef Pallet of uh, been that had the uh the great pleasure to travel to um to a few different places, uh namely Mexico City, uh Brazil. I was supposed to go to Peru this year, but you know, amid the, the COVID nineteen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. Uh and, you know, didn't really get to make that trip. But uh being able to go to those different places and um see how humbly these people live in certain areas and especially coming from where I'm from I feel like I feel like I come from humble beginnings but uh you know I feel like I 
you know, lived a, a, a king's life compared to, you know, the places mm-hmm. that, you know, some of these other right. people are from. Right. And it just opened your eyes up to, you know, what was actually out here in the world was really important. You know what I mean? You know, what we put importance on and what really isn't important. Yeah, it gives you that unique perspective, man. Mm-hmm. Like, like you said, you you think you grow from humble beginnings, which you do, but when you start comparing to, you know, 90% of the rest of the world, yeah. you start saying, like, like once, we, we all live like kings, yeah. you know? Especially, like, once you get into it and you can actually see it. Right. Mm-hmm. It's different than seeing it on, it's on same TV thing watching or film anything and like that. Yep. getting mm-hmm. on the field. Right? Yep. Like, once you're in it, then it really starts clicking. Exactly. Kind of shit what led you to through. the to the smile train? So, um, I grew up with uh, a gap, and I was very self-conscious about my teeth and my smile and my parents or whatever the case may be, you know, just being a kid. Uh, and... Um, I just remember being presented the opportunity to work with the group and how I think maybe a $150 donation goes to an entire um, surgery for an individual, not just a kid, but a, you know, adult as well. And, you know, it's either a cliff lip, you know, which is, you know, uh, either bilateral or, or lateral, which is, you know, down the middle or two, two uh, holes. And then obviously a, a palate is worse because they have a whole, actually in the, the top of their mouth mm. and that not only you know affects you know your personal appearance how you feel about yourself but it, it has an effect where um it affects you know how you eat drink how you communicate uh, how you hear how you live exactly yeah. just in general yeah. yeah and um you know that to just being involved in that i felt like uh gave this the 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 person that i was trying to affect not just that person but their family because even in these foreign countries, uh, it's it's looked down upon to even have, you know, that type of affliction. You know what I mean? Like right. they feel like it's, you know, like the devil's work, right. or you know, they and they get some they, sort of superstition. Exactly, they just get pushed, and you know, they're a cast, they're a castaway, hmm. and you know, it's unfortunate. And then that, you know, civil procedure can literally change their life, a whole everything. generation of people around them lives. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. So and 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 that's pretty much the main thing that you work with. I know, um, what was it a couple of years ago? You were uh, working to bring water and resources to I forget what there was some. Well, yeah, the hurricane. The hurricane. The hurricane. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You had uh, different locations set up. I know there was one at Hillgrove mm-hmm. and um, a couple other places where these you know individuals can come and donate food supplies, water, whatever it may be, mm. to the. Um, victims of the hurricane and stuff like that oh, which yeah. is a, another huge thing I, I really got to give a shout out to the community in general because i you know i put the initiative out there but mm-hmm. the hard work was done by the people of the community and you know i'm i was you know overwhelmed from the response that it had you know and i really appreciate everybody that was involved you know i you know wish i could name names but we well, had know, a couple truckloads of stuff didn't yeah, you? it was it i was, remember because at well Obviously, at the high school, we're pushing the agenda of mm-hmm. number right. one, just be a decent human being, help people out. Um, but since you were doing it, the kids are always, which is crazy to me. Kids are like, when I tell them that I know you, forget about if I tell them I know him. <laughs> they freak out about that too. But when, like, just because you went there, right? it's like you're this like celebrity figure. So I'm like, guys, like Kenyon's trying to do this. Like, you need to do your part. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a real big push from that school and that high school to get the trucks filled and stuff like that. So it, I do think, but just stuff like that, that you're constantly doing to the community is just, the awareness is, is so next level. Yeah, the awareness is, is to me the biggest like telling sign, I guess you could say, because 
it's easy to do something when something happens, but the consistency of doing something because you're mm-hmm. aware of your platform or you're aware that even just the little things, which we push a lot, you know, yeah. all things loyal is just how you go about your day can positively or negatively impact somebody in their daily life, you know, and holding that door for somebody, uh, giving somebody a smile, using your manners, saying thank you, saying thank you, giving a hug, you know, like you never truly know what someone else is going through. And the more that, you know, we can push that light and positivity and love um, for whoever, uh, whenever, Mm -hmm. then you start to realize that your actions, no matter how big or small, pay a huge yeah yeah, they they, it's a big ripple effect in people's lives yeah and i you know and i want to kind of take this time to address this now and i think you can see it um with the events going on in america right now and i know we had kind of talked about we were going to address this but um if you would for us um you're sitting here speaking to three white guys who have no idea what it's like to be in a person of color skin or what you go through on a daily basis or what you uh went through growing up um if you could kind of talk to us, um, we're all trying to be better. We're trying to make people in our community better. We're trying to make individuals better and mm-hmm. make a, a big push. And I think a lot of this is coming from individuals who are, are of our age group. Um, and if you could kind of speak on that, uh, we would love to hear it and love to have that conversation. If you kind of want to dive into it a little bit. Oh yeah, no, nah, for sure. I mean, cause it's, you know, it's out in the open right now. Yeah. You know, you can't really hide from it, run from it. Um, and you know, I obviously specifically can't because, you know, I live it, you know what I mean? But, um, I actually give you a a story even, you know, from when I played with the Titans and there's a reason why I played with the Titans and, you know, I don't know if my dad probably want me to, you know, say it's not really a big deal. He, you know, tells the story a lot, but it's a reason why I didn't play with the express initially. Mm -hmm. Um, cause was, was coach Cooley the coach, not Mm -hmm. coach, who was the coach? Uh, yeah, a few. Coach Cooley. Tanner, uh, Tanner Schwartz. Cooley, Schwartz, yeah. Right. Cannon. Yeah, it just Cooter. I don't know because I only played on the Nancy. Express for one year, and I feel no. like it was, it was a time where I, I think I went out there and I either did a trial or my dad didn't want me to go and do a trial or they asked me to come out and do a trial. My dad was like, "Nah," he know he just he just felt like it was he just he didn't know how I would be received on a team. Hmm. Yeah. And he was just trying to protect me and me Mm -hmm. not knowing, you know, what it was or the situation. But, you know, my dad growing up in Atlanta, Georgia, being a a black man. Right. He just didn't want to put his son in a compromised situation for whatever reason. You know, if he might have, you know, been ignorant about it or whatever the case may be. But that's his reality. And that's what he wanted to shield me from. You know, he didn't want me to go to team and not play. Right. You know knowing that I could go and maybe play on a lesser, you know, talented team, but get the full opportunity right. to go out there and, you know, play ball. You know what I mean? And that's yeah. that's a small example for mm-hmm. what the bigger picture is right now. You know what I mean? Right. And, um, you know, what's going on right now in the world is, is really just a revolution of ideas. And when you think about it and you look at through the history of time, history always repeats itself. And, you know, you look at, you know, who knows what the ramifications would be or could be from what we're experiencing now. We're all experiencing it right now. So we can't really, you know, make, you know, too much of an assumption. But, you know, this could be, you know, like what the civil rights movement was in the 60s, what the French Revolution was in the 1700s for France, what any revolution around the entire world 
was this has the potential to be that through the hurt, the pain, the suffering of a group of people that have been going through that for X amount of years. Mm -hmm. And to this day, and I don't know when it could be resolved, if it ever could be resolved, but every day is a stepping stone to go in the right direction as long as people are having these type of conversations. Yeah. Right. You know what I mean? And, and, and I guess my thing is thinking about like, what are those next steps? Cause you know, all the time we talk about like, we need to be better, right? Like, well, what, what is better? Like, because at the end of the day, and I think we all know and believe this, it's not going to be gone tomorrow. It ain't going to be gone in two years. This is a, this is a slow cook. I mean, it's a, it's a couple decades worth because at the end of the day, um, you just mentioned the civil rights movement, nineteen sixty. That was sixty years ago. That that's one generation. Like I mean, that's really you know, not that long ago. Yeah, that's not long ago at all. And so you start to think about how that gets filtered out. I mean, people came from the civil rights movement, you know, still alive today, or were kids, and you know, our parents now. And you start to see that that was during their lifetime, and it just takes time, and it takes you know, specific detailed effort to filter those things out because at the end of the day most people are uncomfortable with what they don't know right and so when they're not educated on whether it's other cultures other races uh you know even just any type of situation you get put in where you're uncomfortable you have a certain reaction and at the end of the day we have to be more educated as a white community black community a human race like the whole thing in order to actually make some you know movement forward because if you just keep doing the same thing over and over again then guess what you're gonna get the same result just insanity right Mm -hmm. and you know obviously there's been takes on both sides of this but i do think that it's not well one thing i'd hit on the point of the civil rights movement um my favorite like picture you know photography Mm -hmm. favorite picture is this elderly woman and she's holding a sign that says i've been fighting the same fight I'm fighting for the same stuff now that I was 60 years ago. And it's like, and this is kind of what I tell my kids when I speak on slavery or civil rights or anything like that is, you know, the, the videos that we're watching, especially from the civil rights movement, like those people are still alive mm-hmm. on both sides of the fence. Mm-hmm. And you need to be kind of conscious of that and kind of take that for what it is and just kind of understand. Um, but this is not a, political thing like i've seen a lot of people try to make it a political thing this is a human thing right mm-hmm. this is a civil rights thing mm-hmm. and it's not something that you can kind of shy away from or say oh i really don't know how do you not know like if you don't know it speaks more on it than if you do you know what i mean so it's just a lot of people have been having this conversation and you know we would like to know like he said where can we be better and of course it starts this conversation but what you know what else in your mind goes through your head when someone says well where can we be better like is there Something that pops in your head. Well, well, you can start with. You can start. You can really start with just opening your mind to any and every possibility of what love could be, what peace could be. Mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't have to be a finite thing. You know what I mean? Um, for instance, like today when I uh, posted about, um, I just kind of wanted to make make awareness to how you know the cardinals were giving us opportunity to not you know be in meetings Correct. to uh, just recognize the memorial of of george floyd and you know i thought it was a noble thing not specifically just because of 
George Floyd and what happened because obviously that that situation is what it is. But it was more just the sensitivity to what is going on in the world and having that that idea of being able to think about more than what football is. You know what I mean? Like, right. yeah, of course we could power through a meeting and you know it, it was our max right. and go about our day and still be able to recognize that. But it's more about the process of understanding that this is bigger than what this is is going on right now. And mm-hmm. we could take a moment to step back and recognize it. And then I have people on there, you know, with question about, well, what about this? Or what about the, the kids that are, you know, dying in somewhere else? Or what about, you know, like God bless those people and God bless the travesties that's going on in the world. But that's not what the focus is on right now. Like you don't have to be antagonistic and simple just, just to be it. You know what I mean? Right. You have to be able to step back be bigger than what the situation is and understand that with attacking one thing at a time, it didn't have to be a, a mass. Well, what about this? Or what about that? Or what about, you know, white lies or what about, you know, Indian lies or what about the travesty that everybody's going through? Uh, the thing, like you were just saying it, at the end of the day, yes, there are tragedies and, and terrible things going on uh, all over the world. But at the end of the day, we got to take care of ours right now. You know what I'm saying? Like this is our own backyard where this kind of stuff is happening. And it's easy to turn a a blind eye because ultimately that doesn't necessarily have to do with you as much as what's going on right now. And it's a little, like you said, it's uncomfortable, right? So, and, and having these conversations are uncomfortable and, and, and neither of us have lived any of that type of, you know, lifestyle and, and had a target on our backs because of, of a skin color. I mean, the only thing that's somewhat relatable is, going into a nice store one time and I had sweatpants and a hoodie on and catching funny looks and kind of like the questions of, you can just feel that the que- Yeah. The questions of like, well, why, why is he in here? Like, why can he, he can't afford this stuff. And it's kind of like the little bit of anger that I got from those glimpses mm-hmm. well, and that's can the- be changed by how I were to dress, but I, you, you're not changing a skin color. And, and that's something that can happen every day right. to somebody, you know, uh, what's the what's the quote of um if you're tired of hearing about racism thinking about how someone is about feeling it mm-hmm. um which to hit on people saying white lives matter and stuff like that i think if you are saying that you're taking away from the point like you're kind of brushing it off in my opinion um i do have a question kind of concerning this and uh this topic and with you in general um what was your time like at alabama did you feel anything? Was there any or anything you want to speak on about that? Um, just because of the, I'm sure you're up to date with Alabama civil rights history and all mm-hmm. of that. And, you know, Alabama football and the integration and everything like that was there, you know, with your team being majority African-American in an all white town, mm-hmm. small, all white town, very small. And I mean, well, I mean, playing football, I, you know, you big man on campus, whatever the right. case may be, you, I'd never felt comfortable going too far away from campus. You know, I'm for what reason? I'm, I have everything I need here. I'm not going to travel 15 minutes down the road to go do something where I feel like is I'm a black male. They don't know that I'm a Alabama football player once I get off of there. You know what I mean? Unless I wear the gear. gear. But regardless, I mean, I didn't feel like, you know, broadcasting that to begin with. You know what I mean? So that was just my personal feeling about doing that. 
but I could even give you countless stories of, you know, you remember the whole little scenario where they had, or Alabama was like the last few, the last few schools in the country to, um, have an integrated prom. Exactly. Well, not even integrated prom, not for high school. Well, yeah, that too, but more like the, the sororities, like it was the whole black sorority, white sorority, where even in Georgia, like, you know, the, uh, I'm trying to think of like a, like, Maybe they, I'm pretty sure they had, you know, black guys that were in SAE in, in, at Georgia or, you know, black women that were in mm, KD or whatever. Yeah, right, like, integra- whatever. like DG, truly integrating, like integrating like the, the, the social part of school. Exactly. But yeah. there, there wasn't. And there was plenty of times where I had white friends that are females and would come to me, especially, which was the craziest part because they, Alabama, especially that time where we got really good at football, mm. it was attracting a lot of people from all over the, the country. So you have people coming from California. You have people coming from Jersey. You have people coming from probably a, a lot different walks of life than deep south Tuscaloosa, Alabama. Mm-hmm. And when you have these you know, women and men coming from these places that are a lot more different from a cultural standpoint and social standpoint to be around other people of different races – then you come to majority white and black Alabama and you have these men and women, young men and women that have been raised a certain way and mm-hmm. have certain values elsewhere. And they're hanging around, you know, the football players or, you know, black people in general or white people in general. And, you know, they're getting certain looks and certain feelings. And, you know, I had a girl ask me, you know, or tell me, you know, I have a, you know, a guy that's in a sorority that, you know, doesn't want me to go to the day party or do anything with him because he knows that I'm hanging out with you or I'm hanging out with so-and-so. And I'm just like, and she was just so just taken aback by it. And, you know, like, this is, doesn't happen where I'm from, blase, blase. And I'm just like, doesn't surprise me. Right. Because right. mm-hmm. it just is sad. what it is. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah. I mean, man, that's crazy to think about. And it's one of those things where we've kind of either accepted that that's the way it is well, or just kind of said, I'm not surprised mm-hmm. instead of getting that's to the, the point now where we are like that, the we, we're, we're past boiling temperature to say, yeah, that's be, how it is, but it that's is, not how it should be. Yeah. And what can we do to change that? And no, for sure. I guess that kind of leads to my question. And, um, I don't know if you, you know, saw my post on Instagram about, um, my thoughts and feelings on everything that's going on. Um, but it it took me some days to understand if that's something I should do or shouldn't do. Um, not necessarily how to say it, but uh, kind of get the courage to, you know, voice my own opinion. Um, and I think a lot of that had to do with the fact that I'm white and I'm sitting here saying, well, what voice do I really have? And what would be your advice to guys like us, other people like us that, do have a, a, a voice and a, and a story and experience that can help essentially push the agenda or how we can join in to help actually create this change. Because I think a lot of people are scared or they're on the fence. Like they don't know if, if they say something, are they going to overstep their boundaries? You know, are they going to cross the line? Um, like what, what, what would your take be on that? I'll, I'll just, I'll just say to anybody that's on the fence about, how they feel about the situation, the climate that's going on. Just always remember what's right is right. And what's wrong is wrong. That's it's just, it's that simple. It, yeah. it's, and it's, when you see something wrong, 
now's the time to say something or do something like you can't just let that shit slide anymore like yeah it's just it's i've i don't know nothing else but to be a, a black male from the south and growing up i've seen my fair share of of racism i've been around you know plenty white men like you that you know embrace me and you know we have a great relationship with me it is what it is it's, it's not a big deal at all but that would be you know different for somebody that doesn't you know that that grew up with i don't know without the goddess that they had to show them that this could be possible you know what i mean this is easy for somebody to kind of have you know the way they think be influenced by who they're around and it could either, you know, be right or it could be wrong, but it's, and it's hard to kind of try to change the narrative. Like you said today, tomorrow, because of the fact that what you learn is what you learn. And it's, it's hard to rewire that when you had no choice, but to move in that direction and, you know, nothing else persuades you to think otherwise because of what you were around. And it's unfortunate that, that's the way that people live their lives in that type of ignorance. And that's what racism is, is just pure ignorance because of the fact that, you know, they just don't know any better about, you know, like you can ask somebody that's, that's racist about, you know, what experiences led them to believe that, you know, they feel or how they feel or what they feel about what they feel. And it could just be simply that that's all they know. Mm-hmm. And that's unfortunate because, yeah, because the, the, everyone's got a reason why the way they are, and it's it's by no means saying that that's okay. But everyone, in, there, there's a reason why somebody feels that way. Mm-hmm. There's 100 percent reason, and 99 percent of the time, it's because of lack of exposure, education, their ignorance, ignorance to the fact of what is going on. Mm-hmm. Um, because those people have never been exposed to certain things, and it's something that they need to check themselves and, and educate themselves on uh, everything that's going on and put themselves in those situations to where they can better understand, uh, you know, how to be loving towards anybody. Right. Um, because, I mean, that's my thing is if you're not educated, you're going to develop ignorance. If you're, not, if, if you're ignorant, then you're going to start leading towards hate. And that is now where we are. You, you know what I mean? Um, so, I mean, it's really, uh, I guess it's something that Aaron Foster had said on that podcast was ultimately you got to take, yeah. you got to take care of your Dude. world. You know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. you do the right things to take care of your world. What we're talking about just trying to be better every day, mm-hmm. like smiling at somebody, mm-hmm. you know, it's like little things like that. That's what the small victories kind of add up to. There's change. Big picture type. Yeah. Change. You want to say in 10 years, like I'm so glad that I grew from where I was at when I'm 26 and now I'm 36. And like my worldly view has now like shifted in such a positive direction or man, oh, yeah. I'm so much more, accepting of this and that and you really build a, a, a strong that's, moral ground that's you know? what everything too because just you know like my dad taught me about just anything he would just say the things that i knew at 25 that i thought i knew at 20 were completely different mm-hmm. the things that i knew at 35 that i thought i knew at 25 completely different the things that i know at 45 that i thought i knew at 35 completely different you continue always to learn to always peel back the onion layers and becoming a new version of yourself each and every day. And I feel like 
to be able to do that, you have to have an open mind, an open heart to be accepting to the things that's going on around you and mm-hmm. to really, I guess, explicitly ask, answer your question about what people could do uh, to address it. Just mm-hmm. be open and honest and accept your the flaws with their flaws, accept, you know, the things that, you know, you continue to build on to be that better person, but always be real. Like people will respect realness and, you know, whether your opinion may be a good one or a bad one in this landscape, you can only continue to take the steps to be who you need to be and better yourself by opening yourself up and being vulnerable. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's great. Great words. Because I mean, at the end of the day, the only way to change is to be open, you know what I'm saying? And, um, I know I'm, I'm thankful that us three have been exposed to that since we were young, you know, and it's kind of led us to be where we are now. And which is why we are, you know, very adamantly against, uh, you know, any form of racism and, and why we are wanting to have these conversations because not everyone did have that luxury, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, the more lives we can try and change, uh, whether that's one, whether that's thousands, you know, like that change is, is good. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm thankful that we can have these kind of conversations and, because this is the only way to, this is the first step, you know, is having these conversations. Right. You can't be afraid of the moment or the situation or anything like that because when you start to act out of fear, nothing's going to get accomplished mm-hmm. in what you're trying to do. So, like I said, we're just trying to have this conversation and, you know, the insight you give us or whoever listening to this, they may take that and they may put that into their life and it positively impact somebody in a, in a different way than before. Right. But um, what's next for Kenyon Drake? Um, what's next for me is continue to take everything a day at a time right now. Um, especially in this atmosphere from a political uh, standpoint and a a health standpoint with COVID still running rampant. Correct. Um, you know, trying to, I guess they already made a point that we, uh, we can't report the team or players can't report back to the facility until camp starts, which late July, I can't remember the specific date. I mean, if you want to jump on yep. when camp may be for the Arizona Cardinals, that'd be lovely, but nah. It could be a great thing, though, too, because now finally y'all can get some true rest and uh, really yeah. – I haven't been home this long since – That's what we were talking about. That's what we are like, talking about like him. Like, he gets like, a summer a little he's bit. He's never right. experienced a summer since ever. Kind of like it. Yeah, no, really, though. <laughs> well, I mean, just being able to go over to his parents' house, go to mm-hmm. the pool, you know, those kind of things. Like, that don't happen during season. Right. And it's nice to be able to – be surrounded by you know people you love care about uh, it's not like you're still not putting the work in right no no for sure exactly and like the free time i get during season is is brunch Mm -hmm. you know but like i don't get evenings when on a normal routine during the evenings the only time people can get together because they're working Mm -hmm. uh but you know me my time open is right in the middle of people's work day so it's kind of like just by yourself doing your own thing no for sure yeah i've been spending a lot of time with my girlfriend my family um, my dogs just, um, and then, you know, waking, what, what I do, I wake up in the morning and I go and work out. So I guess quick lamination of my schedule Mondays, I go to DSA at 6am and 7am or I wake up at 6am, get there by 7am. I do a footwork and agility run and then I work out at eight and then I come back, um, to the crib, walk the dogs and I do, um, meetings at 11 Eastern, 8, 8 a.m. Um, uh, I guess mountain time It's actually weird in Arizona because 
No daylight savings? Yeah, they don't have, yeah, you yeah. know about it. Yeah. yeah. They don't have daylight savings. So it's three hours now, and then I guess it'll turn two, two. whenever uh, the, the time yep. shifts. Yep. So um, it's 8 a.m. now there. And then we're done with means 12, 12, 30, and I have the rest of the day to do whatever. You know what I mean? And uh, my marketing team uh, with Sports Trust, uh, they have me, you know, pretty tapped into a lot of different things. And, you know, they help me with all the causes. Another one that I'm, I'm involved with is uh, Boys and Girls Club. So I you know, have a club that I have that I'm sponsoring out in Arizona now. I have one in, in uh, Fort Lauderdale. Um <laughs> Just really kind of brings back, you know, memories of me growing up in a boys and girls club and, you know, how having, you know, that type of mentor figure there, you know, whether it's the camp counselors or whatever the case mm-hmm. be, um, just kind of be just older figures to lead me in the right direction. You know what I mean? Just help me with my homework, you know, show me a jump shot, you know, just give me any little, type of, little just little stuff like that. It, it, you know, it really doesn't, doesn't matter. And I just want to go there because I'm a big kid myself. So I just want to go and play with the kids, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. For, yeah. So uh, did you get a report date? Yeah, July 24th. 24th. July 24th. It's a little earlier right. than I thought. <laughs> hey, boy, it's going to be hot. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm already knowing. It's I'm literally hot. going from every day. Miami to Arizona. How's uh, Murray? How's Kyler? Cool, man. Cool. Real down to earth. Um, Quiet. How fast is he? He'll say, "What do you, I don't even know if he ever ran a 40. Not. So he'll say he's 4'3". Oh. I feel like he's a lot quicker than he is fast. fast. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, I've never seen him necessarily get caught from behind. It's just he's not, he's not the type of runner to where, you know, he's going to try to Explode one through the hole. Exactly. Yeah. Like, you know, if he's he looking for that he space. Don't, he don't have those long strides. Like, right. he, he's he's quick going like this. And he's not trying right. to get hit. So, no. he's not, you know, going necessarily. I would not be either. <laughs> got that baseball slide. Yeah, he, he got that down patter. You know, he knows where the sideline is. He's going to get there pretty quickly. But, nah, he's an explosive athlete, man. And it's, it's crazy just how um, much he still has to go and how better he can get because he's already right. – Good as oh, he's gonna, you, know, I, you know what I mean. I'm looking forward to watching his career, you know, mm. develop and everything because he, he's got special ability. Oh yeah, for sure, for sure, for sure. Well, well man, well I appreciate you coming yeah, on, man. Yeah. Glad yeah. we got to do this. Like first you said, guest, first guest, to love it. Yeah, no, uh, especially since you home. Nah, man, for yeah. sure, it's, yeah. it's been cool. Oh, one thing I do want to mention: all of us being in this, um, you know, this demographic that we are as young men, young adults, and you know, we may have younger people looking at us but you know that we're all at least 18 and up to go vote man yeah. go Absolutely. out there man mm-hmm. register to vote go vote if you know whatever state you in look up the dates to vote make a change your community man you got yeah, five sure. days left for georgia yeah for but i don't yeah. but i'm not i don't live here though so i can i i can can i do uh, like an absentee where you, you you would i think you can do like an online Actually. registration vote uh-huh. for where's your florida no, I'm in Arizona now. Oh, you're, so okay, it, okay. it's weird though because I mean I have a Florida ID, but I'm not sure how you would you would vote in Florida then. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Right. You vote in Tennessee. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I guess but another yeah. thing, real quick to recap, uh, Smile Train. Mm-hmm. We always talked about Smile Train, Boys and Girls Club. Uh, so obviously we want to give shout out to them and any way possible for people to give their support. We would obviously greatly appreciate it. Um, yeah. Absolutely, we're all I'm about always, boosting each other here. Mm-hmm. So that's that's what so we do in Atlanta, and that's what we're doing on this podcast. One team, one dream. Yep. Yes, sir. So we appreciate you coming on, bro. I know, I, 
I know right now it's hectic and schedules are crazy and everything. So mm-hmm. we appreciate you taking I, the time. I appreciate y'all. You know, hit me up, man. I'm I'm always down for the cause, man. So anytime, I'm 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 for it, bro. You feel me? Yeah, I feel you. Appreciate you. Yeah, yeah man. Appreciate it, buddy. Good looks. Yes, sir. Thank you. You're.